Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to continue this talk that we started a couple of weeks ago on the greatest sermon that's ever preached, Sermon on the Mount, or the Beatitudes that Jesus gave us. Jesus basically laid out the types of people that God will bless. And we talked about how blessed means happy, content, fulfilled, favored. And we all want to be blessed. Amen? And so today we're going to Look at the next thing that Jesus said, which is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Matthew 5, verse 5. Are you there? So the next thing that we see here is that Jesus said, What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you. Or in other words, God blesses the gentle. In other words, for the gentle here is God blesses the humble, for they will inherit the earth. You know, when you read something like this, it sounds so naive, so cliche. Come on, really? Those are the people that will inherit the earth? Have you ever heard the saying, good guys, finish last? But, but if Jesus is saying this, there's so much more to what meets the eye. And so this is why we like to unpack these things in church, to give us a deeper understanding that Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived because Jesus understood the human nature. He understood really what it takes to live a happy life. And so when he says that, there's so much here that I want to share with you that the world is truly yours when you are gentle. Here's, here's why I didn't get any amens on that. <laughs> I, I'll tell you why. The reason why I didn't get any amens on that because because weak people are prideful, loud, egotistic, insecure, and selfish. See, now... So, my friends, what is gentleness, really... Gentleness is actually quiet strength. I love this title, quiet strength. Because I don't know about you, but man, we need people with quiet strength in our society. Enough with the loud mouth. Right? Enough with the people that blow smoke. Enough with the guys who talk but can't walk. Right? Enough with the people that put on the front, but they're really scared and insecure. Right? Enough with the playground bullies. Like some people haven't graduated from playground. They still think they can bully you through life. They still think they can be... Whoever is the loudest is the most insecure. Oh, hello. It's going to be fun. So my friends, I, I pray we understand this. True gentleness is not being a doormat. True gentleness just simply means I don't overreact. Gentleness is not weakness. It's quiet strength. Matter of fact, it takes more strength to be gentle 
than to be bullish. Right? So Jesus is going somewhere here because remember, here's the man who saved the world with his hands tied. Here's the man who said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do, even when they were crucifying him. So I think he knows something about winning people over with gentleness. So I want to talk to you today about the benefits of being gentle, where everything around you is prideful, egotistic, selfish, you know, ambitious to the wrong way of being ambitious, overreacting people, Facebook malicious, you know. <laughs> I think we need people with quiet strength. And I'm preaching to myself here today. So let's get right into it. You ready? We got to take notes because I told you, you got to dissect this stuff during the week because I believe God is speaking to us. So let's talk about the benefits of being gentle. First thing I want to talk to you about is the, the fact is that gentleness diffuses conflict. Gentleness diffuses conflict. I love Proverbs 15.1 that says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words makes tempers flare. Gentleness diffuses conflict. In other words, gentleness is the antidote to anger. I picture gentleness being Mr. Miyagi. For the millennials, that's Karate Kid. One of the greatest 80s movies. Am I right? The whole time Mr. Miyagi was teaching Karate Kid such great lessons by just being gentle and trying to teach him, like, it's not about the martial arts, it's about control, right? Wax on, wax off. <laughs> Gentleness, my friends, is the antidote to anger. See, here's what we do. Human nature is very interesting. We usually mimic people's response. It's a psychological thing, Right? So when you come at me, my, my response is to come at you harder. Oh, you, 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 what? You, you, what? You, what? I don't know what, well, I don't know what that is. I just. But we have a tendency to want to, I got to up you one. Right? Right. I told you this, Steve Harvey said, you know, he's like, I'm still working on my Christianity. So when my neighbor got me mad, I said, I'm going to kill you and your whole family. Because he's like, I got to do you one more, you know. And psychology says that that's what we do. We mimic behavior, yeah. right? So if someone's angry, we automatically want to answer with anger, right? And what it does is we just keep escalating things. And we never get anywhere by being angry, right? So when we bring gentleness into the equation, what you're doing is you're actually saving yourself a lot of energy and a lot of headaches because gentleness will wax on and deflect it, right? Gentleness knows how to say, ah, I'm not going to play your game, right? Gentleness says, I don't have to up you one because when I up you one, I'm actually lowering myself. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me today. Listen, 
Pastor Rick Warren said this. By the way, this, this, this series um, was first written by Pastor Rick Warren. He's a pastor to pastors, so he allows pastors to use his messages. So shout out to Pastor Rick Warren for that. But he said this, right? I love Pastor Rick Warren. one of my favorite pastors. But he said this. I love this. He said, when other people raise their voice, lower yours. Because you're not, being, you're not being the bigger person. You're just being the gentle person. And you have more strength if you can own in your feelings in the, in the heat of the moment. Let me share a verse with you that I guarantee you tomorrow you're going to need this verse. Can I share with you? Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Watch this. If your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. I guarantee you someone's going to need this verse tomorrow. Some of you might need it tonight. Tomorrow's supposed to be your day off. You get called in. Wax on. Wax off. <laughs> okay. But listen, but here's the reality, my friends. Here's what happens is that when your boss is angry at you, it may not even be about you. But lack of discernment takes everything too personal. It could be that your boss is struggling with his own stuff. But when people don't have the Spirit of God, they'll throw up at the, uh, anybody who is in front of them. So tomorrow you might be thrown up on, but it doesn't mean you have to throw up back. Right? It's a choice to throw up back. It's just like a graphic picture for so early in the morning. Right? So listen, people will throw up at you because they feel some kind of emotional indigestion. But it may not be about you at all. And when you make it about you, what you just did is you embrace their anger. And now you have their same toxic spirit. You have their same toxic mindset. And you're thinking you're defending yourself. What you're doing is you actually open up yourself to stuff that shouldn't be in your life. So, my friends, gentleness diffuses conflict. When people throw up at you, clean yourself up and say, are you okay? Are you okay? That will diffuse people, trust me. Are you, are you good? I just had a guy yesterday who was angry at something. And he started throwing up. And I said, buddy, are you okay? Because <laughs> I don't think you, you mean what you're saying right now. And everything you know, he begins to kind of diffuse. Like, wait, yeah, wh why am I all up in arms? The thing is, our society is so up in arms, no one knows why we're up in arms. <laughs> Everybody's like, ah, I just feel like yelling at somebody. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're going to yell at me? I'm, I'm going to yell at you too. You know? And here we go down the line of anger, not realizing that. Why am I bringing this negative energy into my life? Gentleness diffuses conflicts. Can you say amen? The second thing that gentleness does is so good. Gentleness disarms critics. Critics don't know what to do with you when you're gentle. It drives them nuts. Watch this. I love what Paul says. Paul had a lot of critics. He said, we appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Here's the reality. The more successful you are in life, the more critics you're going to have. And if you don't want to have critics, do nothing, say nothing, and accomplish nothing. 
Okay, if you're one of those people that are like, I don't want I don't want any haters, well then don't do anything. And then those who want to do anything will hate on you for not doing anything. Okay, so critics is part of life. The more successful you are, the more people are going to talk about you, right? So, but here's the thing. Gentleness disappoints critics. Here's another psychology reality that anger, believe it or not, makes some people feel good. Some people do not have a good day until they get angry. Why do you think some people on Facebook are always looking for a fight? It's their way of getting dopamine. It's their drug. So don't be their dealer. That's not from Rick Warren. That's from me. I'm from New Bedford. Don't be someone's dealer. Don't feed it. You can disappoint a critic and an anger fiend very quickly. By not feeding them, by not adding fuel to the fire, by deflecting, again, Mr. Miyagi is going to be who you're going to be thinking of all week long. If you respond, they got you. When you respond to someone's criticism, you responded like a fish responds to a bait. People will criticize. It's not up to you. What other people think about you is none of your business. <laughs> Listen, as a pastor, the Bible tells me I am not to argue with anyone. Over and over again, the Bible tells me that. As a pastor, he said, you, your job is to never argue with anyone. Okay, can I give you an example? Paul He's talking to pastors here. The word servant means pastor, right, in 2 Timothy. Go to my next verse, please. Look, a servant of the Lord, which is a pastor, an elder, right, must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with wax on, <laughs> with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. And they will learn the truth. So my job is to not fight with anybody. You know how hard that is sometimes. <laughs> you don't think that there is a thug in here <laughs> who wants to be like. <laughs> can, I be, can I just be honest for a second? Especially when you know what they're saying is rubbish. Everything in you is like, ah, oh, ah, oh. and then you remember, Mr. Miyagi said, wax. Mr. Jesus said, because here's the thing, Jesus is not looking for me to respond to critics. Jesus is looking for me to reflect who he is. So... We've developed something in this church. It's still a work in progress. We try to have this, this mindset that is, we got to have thick skin, but soft hearts. And we can't lose. I actually kind of stole that from <laughs> Friday Night Lights. 
It's one of my, my wife and I's favorite show. Thick skin, soft hearts, can lose. Want to try that with me? Thick skin, soft hearts, can lose. Thick skin, soft hearts, can lose. Because remember, you want to be able to go to bed peacefully. Let your critics not sleep at night. Oh, it's so good. Gentleness disappoints critics. You know how many people get disappointed when you, they like throw a Facebook post and you're like. You know why I do that? Because successful people don't look around. They just know, I know what I'm doing. Right? If you know what you're doing. You don't have to answer to every critic that comes your way. Right? So let's learn to disappoint our critics by not saying a word. Matter of fact, that to me is how God actually develops holiness in you. It's when you are not responding to everything that comes your way. Because if you notice, everybody's an expert, but no one has experience. <laughs> oh, man. Experts with no experiences. That will preach. But I'll just move on. Gentleness, my friends, number three is gentleness is persuasive. Nothing more persuasive than gentleness. Here's a great scripture in Proverbs 25. Patient persistence pierces through indifference. Gentle speech breaks down rigid defenses. This is so good. Especially if you... If your job requires you to be persuasive, use gentleness. Because we all know the businessman or woman who is not gentle. You ever been to a car dealership? And, 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 and they're not gentle at all? If you work at a car dealership, you, you want to you have great customers, learn to be gentle. I think... Some of the best in the business for me are the ones that just leave you alone. Like, if you work in sales, I know this is going to sound counterproductive, leave people alone. <laughs> right? Learn to appeal to their hearts. Because people would even pay attention to you if they know at least you're showing that you care. That you're not just trying to sell something. You know? And so gentleness is persuasive. Think about this, right? You are never persuasive when you're abrasive. If anything, you're just pushing people away. Right? We all have been victims of those people that you're like, I can't wait to get away from this conversation. And you're trying to be nice, right? But the reality is people think that if I'm in your face, then I'm going to... It's like, no, if you're in your face, I just want to get away from your face. Nothing worse than an abrasive evangelist. You ever been a victim to an abrasive evangelist? You need to listen. You're going to go to hell. It's like, I didn't hear anything. Right? People think, like, if I'm in your face about hell, then you're going to repent. No. If anything, it makes you feel like, whoa, what an angry God. I don't want any part of that. You know, so being abrasive doesn't help anybody. 
in any situation or circumstance. Nothing worse than an abrasive husband. Ooh, quiet. Okay, then, nothing worse than an abrasive wife. Come on, husbands. <laughs> well, did you do all the stuff that I put on your list to do today? Don't elbow anybody. Wax on. Wax off. <laughs> Listen, as a pastor, my job is not force anyone to change. My job is to present the truth, hopefully with grace and truth, and let you wrestle with it. It is never, ever my job to force you into something. Anything that's forced will not last. Worst, when it's forced, it will be faked. That's why a lot of churches have a lot of hypocrisy, because it's forced behavior. Look good on the outside. But inwardly, it's not real to you. So you will say the right things, you will wear the white clothes, but behind closed doors, it's not real. Nothing worse than fabricated religion. I'm preaching good now. Why do you think people walk away from churches? It's fabricated. It's not real. And I would hate to add to the noise of church by trying to force something. Because this thing has to be a willing desire. You don't marry someone by force. You marry someone by choice. And the Bible says we are in a marriage with the Lord Jesus. I love Jesus. I love his heart. I love his purpose. I love his message. I love his mission. That's why we say every week. There's not a Sunday we don't say, hey, don't give if you don't want to can't force you to do a spiritual discipline. So it's important, my friends, that in this church we understand that gentleness is persuasive. Because gentleness makes people feel like, oh, you actually care about me, not just what I need to do. So let's be a people who are gentle. Can you say amen? amen? Number four, gentleness is attractive. Now, let me, let me first talk to our single people in the house. Gentleness is attractive. Check this out, fellas. If you're single, five traits of a godly man. But here's the thing. Before I give you this, write this down. I am who I am, therefore I attract who I am. Right? So, so fellas, you want to attract the godly woman? Then be a godly man. So watch this, fellas. But you, Timothy, now put your name in there. If you're single, I, I want you to put your name in there right now. Ready? But you, there's only one single dude in the house. <laughs> See what I mean about hypocrisy? Let's try this again. All the single fellas in the house. But you... Oh, we're going to pretend in this place. But you, you know who you are. Are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Right? But pursue gives you five things to pursue if you want to be a man of God. 
which by the way, it's not just for the singles, I'm just messing with the singles, but it's for all of us, right? Pursue righteousness in a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. One of the five marks of a godly man is gentleness. You want to be a man of God? Be gentle. Let me give you an example of gentleness in the Bible. There's a, name, a man named Boaz, Book of Ruth. Boaz was a wealthy, successful man. He was single. He was doing well for himself. And back in those days, if you were doing well for yourself, you would help the poor, which that should still be relevant today. But what they used to do back then is because they didn't get a, a physical paycheck, their paycheck was their crop. And so the way that they would help the poor is they would leave on purpose crops behind for the poor. They're like, man, we have enough. I'll leave that behind for anyone who's in need, right? But usually it goes to those who are close to you. But Boaz was such a great guy that he would let people come from other places to just gather crops. And one of them happened to be a woman named Ruth. Now, Ruth is powerful because Ruth, her husband passed away. But Ruth was so loyal that she was like, I want to take care of my mother-in-law. So Ruth would come and get these crops to go back home and, and, and cook for her mother-in-law. And Ruth says this about Boaz, really powerful. Go read it, Ruth chapter 2. Ruth says, man, Boaz, you've been kind to me by allowing me to come around and get what I need for my family to take care of my mother-in-law. And they begin to strike a relationship because Boaz was gentle. Boaz could have, could have been rude and say, what are you doing in my yard picking up my stuff? But because he was gentle, he was able to strike a relationship with a foreign woman. So the point is, they, they develop a relationship, they get married, even though it was against the law. Because usually, back in those days, a Jewish person would not marry someone who's not Jewish. Ruth was not Jewish, but, but Ruth was so kind. And Boaz was so gentle that they begin this relationship. And it's so powerful that if you go read the genealogy of Jesus, Ruth is one of the three foreign women who makes it into the genealogy of Jesus. It all started over someone being gentle enough to let her in to this relationship. Okay. And guess what? Ruth is the grandmother of King David. It all started with gentleness, my friends. Okay. Now, get this. I love this. She said, you spoke gently with me. And when you speak gently to a woman, she feels welcome. She feels secure. If you want to attract a woman, speak gently to her. Single dudes in the house. And all the married men said, Amen. I love the way Pastor Rick Warren put this one. He said, he said, if Boaz had been rootless, he, he, he would have been rootless. And for the ladies, and for the ladies, and for the ladies, man, tough crowd today. Man, I get no love up here. For the ladies, let's talk about it, right? Here's what the Bible says about you, right? Look, ladies. Watch this, ladies. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. Nothing wrong with those things, by the way. Okay? But look, there's a deeper beauty. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a 
gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God, can you say amen? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, our beauty is fading. Can we be honest? A few years ago, I had hair. Man, I lost hair in college. And I love it, by the way, to be honest with you. I wish it wouldn't grow back so I don't have to keep shaving. It's so annoying. Our beauty, physical beauty is fading, but emotional, spiritual beauty doesn't have to fade. And usually, a, a man who is serious, he's looking for more than just physical attraction. He's going deeper because nothing more unattractive than a beautiful woman physically but ugly emotionally. I feel like Dr. Phil today. <laughs> Dr. Love is in the house. Now, married people, the quickest way to improve your marriage is to speak gently. It's okay, I'm preaching to myself. Y'all ain't got to say amen. What makes a great marriage? A lot of things. But one of the, one of the biggest things is, is two people who know how to forgive very well. If two people can forgive very well, that marriage will go a long, long way. And all the people who've been married at least for, for 10 years said, amen. Because <laughs> year one doesn't count. You're a rookie. Don't expect rookies to do well. But how many Brady's of marriages do we have in this house? You've been through it. You've been through the thick and thin. You've been through all of it. But come hell or high water, you made up your mind. We're in this together. I forgive you. You forgive me. We're going to be in this for the rest of our lives. Parents. The way to effective parenting takes a lot of gentleness. It's true. I'm preaching to myself. It takes a lot of gentleness to not have your kid be afraid of you. Because if your kid is afraid of you, you lost him. I know the old way is, we want that. But, but look at your relationship you have with your parents today. Was it based on fear or was it based on love? Now, fear and respect are two different things. Gentleness helps you to discern between fear and respect. I think I'm teaching good this morning. <laughs> Last one today. Gentleness witnesses to unbelievers. You want to win people for Jesus? You got to be gentle. Here's what Paul tells Titus to do. With unbelievers, they must not slander anyone. Never slander anyone if you call yourself a believer. It must avoid quarreling. I can't, I wish sometimes that we can quarantine Facebook. But we can't. But can I ask you for a favor? If you're a believer in Jesus, don't get into Facebook arguments over religion it's a, it's a bad look. Don't, don't get into fights at your job with people. It's a bad look. No one wins. Instead, they should be gentle 
and show true humility to? To? To those you agree with? To Democrats if you're a Republican? To, to Republicans if you're a Democrat? Do we exclude gay people? Do we exclude Muslims? Do we exclude atheists? It says everyone, my friends. This is very important. Just because I don't agree with your lifestyle doesn't mean I should be a jerk about it. My friends, we must learn to be gentle and courteous. Here's the thing. You will never win someone for Jesus if you look at them as an enemy. You won't. We win people over when we become their friends. Now, here's, this is a point that I hope comes across the right way. When you are applying Jesus' message, you're going to rub people the wrong way. And sometimes the people you're going to rub the wrong way are actually Christians. Because there are some Christians who are not steeped in the grace of God yet. They're very black and white. They're very judgmental. They're very critical. So when they think, oh, you're friends with someone whose lifestyle doesn't represent God, they think that you are watering down the gospel. And that is, my friends, false. If anything, you are actually applying the gospel. It's one of the criticisms I've heard about this church, that we water down the gospel because we, we welcome everyone. I'm like, I hope so. I hope everybody's welcome in this church. I hope, I hope there, there is no... Just because we're not up here screaming hell and brimstone does not mean we don't have convictions. It's actually because we have convictions that we're very careful about what we say or don't say because we want to represent God well, not religion well. We're not up to, you know. So, so understand this. It's okay to disagree with someone's lifestyle but still be their friend because that's what Jesus is, a friend of sinners. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. So I pray we are a church who loves people. Not categories of people. Because there are some churches that will not welcome certain people. And I don't want to be on that side of history. So to me, we're all on a journey together. And you don't have to believe what I believe to belong. Everybody's welcome to explore the ways of God. And yes, we have convictions. But our greatest conviction should be to love people above convictions. Remember this. There are some people that will never read the Bible. So you are the only point of reference to what it means to be a Christian. Think about that. Some people will never pick up the Bible and read it, but every day they read in your life. So the question you got to ask yourself as a Christian, I'm talking to Christians now. I'm not saying if you're here to explore. I'm saying if you say you're a follower of Jesus, your, the question you have to ask yourself once in a while is, are you credible? Are you a credible witness of Jesus? 
because people are looking at you as the only thing closely remote to the Bible. So does your life say, wow, there must be a God? There must be a loving, gentle, good God who loves people, who is for people. Why? Because I work with Johnny. Johnny says he's a follower of Jesus and he seems to love people and he seems to care about people and he seems to act like this Jesus that he talks about and he seems to not just lift his hand in church, but he comes and he helps people. Because if we're not credible, we're hurting the testimony of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Is your Facebook credible? Because you'd be surprised what some people post and they say they're followers of Jesus. It's like, wow, would Jesus want you to post that? I'm just telling the truth. Well, I hope you tell it with grace because Jesus came with grace and truth. Truth without grace is being a jerk. And grace without truth, you're just being emotional. <laughs> you need both. There's a tension in Christianity of grace and truth. And that tension is always there on purpose so you don't drift. Because we all have our preferences. Some of us is all grace. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Yay. Doesn't matter what you do. Yay. Let's just, some people are like, can we just worship all day? Why? We don't want the truth of preaching. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ever hear people, we should worship all the yeah, because you don't want the truth. And then, you want, and then you got the truth people. The truth will set you free. It's like, yeah, but it won't set me free if there's no grace to empower me to be set free, to be delivered. It's got to be both, my friends. And if you're a real Christian, you have to live in that tension. Every day, God, am I living in a tension of grace and truth? Can you say amen? amen. So look, last verse, not, not last verse, we lie. <laughs> Two more. <laughs> Preachers lie all the time. We need grace <laughs> and truth. Uh, watch this way. Peter, Peter, who walked with Jesus, said this. Look, Peter said, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you, about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. How awesome is that? That is awesome. People are going to talk about you. You can't help that. But, man, live a life that makes them feel like, oh, man, I don't know. I can't believe I said that about that person. Look what they do. They help the poor. They give. They make my, my community a better place. What am I doing? I'm an idiot. But no hater will ever apologize to you in public. I've had a lot of people who bash this publicly but apologize in private. Hello. But the goal, my friends, is to be like Jesus. And now, my last verse of the day. <laughs> Matthew 11, and worship team, you can come up. Look, I love this. This is our heart. If you want to be a Christian, it's to be like Jesus. That's the point. And look what Jesus said. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle our heart 
and you will find rest for your souls. That's the point, isn't it? We want to be like the one we say we follow. And he's gentle. Hasn't he been gentle with you? Hasn't Jesus been gentle with you? If you ever been praying and you go, Jesus, why are you so good to me? Man, I'm such a knucklehead. I say dumb stuff. I think dumb. If you ever think dumb stuff and you're like, Jesus, you even know that dumb thought I just had? And you're still like, I love you, knucklehead. That's the Savior that we have. Doesn't accuse you. Doesn't slander you. So guess what? You have no business accusing or slandering anybody either. We need to reflect the heart of Jesus as he's reflected his heart to us. Listen, my friends, here's the thing, though. You can't fake gentleness. Because I know some people are going to be like, I'm going to go and try to be gentle. (laughs) If you're like this, trying to be gentle, you already lost the war. Because the first person who says the wrong thing, all this goes out the window. I tried. No, no. (laughs) Here's the thing. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the one that produces gentleness out of you. That's why religion is scary. Religion is, I'm going to do this. That's why we get angry, judgmental, critical, because I got, if I can do it, you can. No, you're not doing it. You're one verse away from a heart attack. The Holy Spirit has to produce it in you. Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. So what I need to do is, is ask him every day, Holy Spirit, produce gentleness out of me. By nature, I'm not gentle. By nature, when someone wrongs me, I want to wrong them back. By nature, when things are rough in my marriage, I want to scream louder. But Holy Spirit, do a work in me. Transform me from the inside out. Make me like Jesus, who was so strong, he was so gentle. Quiet strength, my friends, what we need. I don't know about you guys. I'm 41 now. I know, I don't look it. <laughs> that is not gentle. Um, but you know the people that I admire the most? The people with the quiet strength. I'm a fan of some of you guys. You don't even know I watch you. I love people with quiet strength. It's attractive to me. And that's what I want to be. And I pray we want to be more and more like Jesus. Amen. Come on, do you receive that today? Let's stand. Let's pray together for the Holy Spirit to make us gentle. Not doormats, but people with quiet strength. You know, it's going to take practice. This week, when someone's demanding out of you, be gentle. When you disagree with someone this week, it's okay to disagree. It's impossible not to disagree. But be tender in your disagreements. And when you get disappointed with someone this week, because you will be disappointed, maybe your kids will disappoint you. Maybe your spouse, maybe your boss, whoever. Be gentle, not judgmental. It's going to be a work in progress, all of us. But let's be willing to let the Holy Spirit 
produce life in us. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I, where do I even begin? You begin by letting Jesus be the Lord of your life. He said, come to me. You feel weary, you feel burdened, you feel stressed, you feel worried, you feel angry. Jesus said, come to me. Let me give you rest for your soul. So the first people I want to pray for is you who need rest for your soul. You need Jesus to come into your life to be Lord and Savior. You know, we bow our eyes, we, we bow our heads and close our eyes so we can focus on ourselves so we don't get distracted. That's why we do what we do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to, to pray with me. If that's you, you're like, man, I need rest for my soul. I want Jesus in my life. Would you pray this prayer with me? We're all going to pray, but especially you. You're like, man, I, it's, you're talking to me right now. All you got to do is say this with me. Say, say, Jesus, I believe that you can give me rest for my soul. I invite you into my life to forgive me, to empower me, to live the life you created me to live. I pray that your spirit will live in me to produce all the right fruits that reflects a person who's walking with you. So have your way in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, if you pray that prayer for the first time, I believe that there is a beginning of a relationship with the Lord. The Lord loves you and He's for you. And He loves to develop that relationship with you. A church is a community. It's a family like you saw in the video today. We're all on this journey. We're all learning. We're all growing. And we just want to be a blessing in your life. And so before you leave today, if you pray that prayer, you want to know more about following Jesus, you know, to my right and left, there's people with signs that says, ask me about a free Bible. We just want to give you a Bible to help you on this journey. And we have Bible studies during the week for those who are new to faith, who want to grow in that relationship with Jesus. So before you leave today, just stop by one of them. They'll connect with you. We have a room right outside this door for us to connect. Amen. But the rest of us, lift your hand. I want to pray right now. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us. Produce gentleness in us, Lord. God, I pray today, Lord, that the power of your spirit is fresh on every one of us. God, I pray that gentleness would be our portion in our marriages, in our parenting, in our businesses. God, in just our daily affairs, I pray we are more like you. I pray we have that quiet strength where we don't have to answer to every critic, but we can stay focused on doing what you called us to do. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are in a fire with us. Whatever we're going through, you are faithful to be with us. So as we worship you today, Lord, fill us again. Fill us all over again. Fill us in a new way, in a fresh way, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.